Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter 9 of his Monologium, Anselm first introduces us to an idea that many people are going to find either difficult to grasp or difficult to accept, even provisionally to say that Anselm himself could hold this idea, because it is quite foreign to the way that many people think about things. It is a common way for at least Neoplatonists, particularly those of the theistic persuasion, in this case Christian Platonists, to make sense of things, to think about how ideas and God and created things all fit in together. So what we're talking about here is the pre-existence, or if you like, the, the greater existence of all things within the divine reason or word. And the, the term that Anselm is using in chapter 9 is reason, ratio. A little bit later in chapter 10, he's going to talk in terms of word or expression, locutio. And then further on, it's going to be word, verbum. It's important to know that it would make sense to go between these terms because within a Christian perspective, in the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of John, where it's talked about as the Word, right? Not simply the Word as in what's written or said, but the second person of the Trinity as being the Word, or Jesus Christ as being the Word. That term logos in Greek does convey both reason and word. So this is something that Anselm, although he's not reading Greek, would certainly know about that. And so there's a bit of, you might say, linguistic play there that we're not quite so receptive to. Now, Anselm is going to assert that He's just talked about how all things are created from nothing. And then he says, well, they're, they're not completely from nothing. They are created from nothing in the sense that they're not created from a thing. But they are not nothing before they're created, before they're made. So that sounds a little paradoxical. Wait, aren't, aren't they coming from nothing? Well, how would you know to bring this thing into being or that thing into being? Before, you know, things are created, if they're totally all nothing, then you can't distinguish one thing from another thing, because in nothing, there are no distinctions, right? You just have nothing, and you don't even have, like, one big mess that you can look in. It's just nothing. There's nothing there. So they do exist somewhere, according to Anselm. Things, he says, exist within the reason of their maker, in some sense, before they are made. So I want to make a book. I, you know, can think of the shape of book and the function. And, you know, there's all sorts of qualities or characteristics that can go into that. And I have an idea in my head. So in Anselm's view, what happens in creation, in things being made, things being brought into being from nothing, is that the creator, that is God, the supreme being, actually has some idea of what it is that he or it or whatever is going to make exist. Whatever it is he's going to bring into being. Now the question is, well, what is that? 
right? And that's where it's going to get quite interesting. Anselm is going to use um, an example here to try to, not to say that it's exactly like this, but to try to help us grasp it. He says there's no way anyone can make something unless something like a pattern or to put it more suitably, a form or likeness or rule of the thing to be made already existed in the reason of the maker. Not not just in some book somewhere, but the maker has to actually know what he or she is doing. I suppose especially if they're making it out of nothing. You know, if you at least have a pattern to work with, you're making it from something. So he says it's clear that what these things were going to be and what sorts of things and how they were going to be, notice all those characteristics. Very important. Let's read that again. What they were going to be, what the things themselves are in the mind of the maker, what they're going to be once they're created, what sorts of things, what genre, what type do they fit into? how they are going to be, what qualities, what attributes, what even relations are they going to have with each other, was in the reason of the supreme nature. Now notice what he says, before all things were made. So from before creation itself, according to Anselm, things that haven't yet gone into existence out here exist in the mind of the divine being who will bring them into being according to that pattern. Now, he goes on a little bit and he says, it's clear the things that were made were nothing before they were made in the sense that they were not what they are now and there was not anything from which they were made. So being made from nothing has now been rather qualified, right? says, they were not nothing with respect to the reason of their maker. God knew what it was that God was going to create before anything was created. And that existence now in God's mind is what we want to think about. Let's look now at chapter 11 where he, he says, there's actually a big dissimilarity between how we think of a human artisan or maker creating something and how the divine being uh, presumably does so. He says, I see much dissimilarity in this comparison. The supreme substance collected nothing at all from any other source, which he would either assemble within himself the form of the things he was going to make or bring it about that the things themselves exist. So God doesn't need any sort of guidebooks or external patterns or anything like that. God already has that within the divine mind the reason, the word, as we're going to see. So the craftsman, by contrast, cannot even imagine a physical object and thus conceive it in his mind unless he's already come to know the object, either as a whole, all at once, or part by part through various things. Nor, so that's one big difference, right? In order for us to think about something, now we can say, well, we can imagine something that doesn't yet exist. Sure, but what you're doing is, is a process of composition of ideas that you had to get from somewhere. You had to acquire the ideas, if you want to call it even knowledge, that you are using in order to make things, down to even placing letters on the board. I can only do that because when I was a little boy, I don't even remember how it happened. All I remember is not liking writing cursive. They made us write lots of letters. I remember that lined paper vaguely. And I acquired the ideas that allow me to make this, right? God doesn't have to do that. God already has all of the ideas, according to Anselm. So that's one important distinction. What else? Well, a human craftsperson, like he says, 
He can't complete the work he's conceived in his mind if he lacks either the material or something without which the planned work cannot be made. So a man can invent an animal, the likes of which never existed by thinking it or painting it, um, but he can only do this by putting together parts stored in his memory from things that he knew at another time. And it's not like he can actually create a new animal out of bits and pieces and we might say, oh well, what about Jurassic Park? Well, you know, that's a fiction, right? We can do things, but notice how much, you know, and knowledge acquisition is involved in that and how many tools we have to have. The divine being doesn't need that. It just pops everything into creation according to this pattern or rule or whatever you want to call it that it already has in the divine reason. So there's a dissimilarity there discussed in chapter 11. Another very important point is discussed in chapter 31. The title of chapter 31 is, the, the, this word is not a likeness of created things, but the truth of their essence or the truth of their being, whereas created things are an imitation of that truth, and, and then which natures are greater and more excellent than others, which is why we discussed this in talking about the hierarchy or degrees of being in a previous video. Here, what we're looking at is the relationship between the beings that exist in created reality and how they are in the divine word. Anselm goes so far as to say that those patterns or likenesses are, in a certain sense, more true, more real in God than they are in us. So let's, let's actually spell out what that would mean concretely. Not only is it the case that, say, God has a you know more real notion of, I'm going to get rid of some of my extra chalk at this point, of chalk, of these particular kinds of being and what kind of being they are, what type chalk. God does the same thing for complex creatures at a very high level of being like myself, a rational being, or you, who are watching this and understanding it. In a certain sense, if Anselm is correct... This is where many people may say, I can't accept that. In a certain sense, if Anselm is correct, the me who exists in God's mind, in the divine reason or the divine word, is more real, is more me than what I am here in front of you, let alone the image that you yourself are seeing on here. The image is less real than me, right? But you, you have access to me through the image. I, according to Anselm, would be less real than I, Greg Sadler, existing in the divine mind. Why? Because the divine being exists more than anything else does. He says it's not as if there's a likeness of created things in the divine word or reason. That's a mix-up. That's a, you know, you might say backwards prioritization of the relationship between original and copy. The original lies in the divine mind, and all the created things are merely imitations and not particularly good imitations of that essence, of that being. So we go all the way from things not being nothing existing in the divine mind to them being truly something, even more somethings than the beings once they have been, been brought into being through creation. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. 
Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.